Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. Uh, much to uh, our enemy's chagrin. It is <laughs> it is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. And I've got some of the world's top true crime stories. Uh, brought to you by me, James Renner. Ding! And I've scoured the internet... For the tastiest morsels of the last week, and I'm going to present them to you post-haste. But first, a reminder, I am going to appear at the Savannah Crime Expo on September 10th. So if you're in that area, if you're in the South, uh, come over, hang out, meet lots of other podcasters, some authors, Listen to some people that uh, talk about true crime. It's a full day of true crime um, information, true crime uh, experience. So come see us at the Savannah Crime Expo September 10th. It's at the uh, DeSoto. Um, I don't know where that is because I'm not from Savannah, but it's kind of a big deal, I've heard. Okay, on to the top stories. Let's not let's not dilly dally. Let's get right to it. Have you guys read the book Where the Crawdads Sing? I have not. I'm not part of that zeitgeist, but it sold like 15 million copies, which is a, a very rare feat for any book. By the way, being an author myself, uh, I happen to know the number that if you're part of that that sphere, the number of books you have to sell to be considered a success. Do you know what it is? Do you have it in your mind? Say it out loud. Er, you're wrong. Um, in order to be considered a success, 
in the world of publishing, you only have to sell 5,000 copies. 5,000 copies is considered a success, and that's very rare in itself. Where the Crawdads Sing sold 15 million copies. That's a big deal. The movie's out now. Have you seen the movie? So why are we talking about this in True Crime this week? Well, it could be that the author is wanted for question, questioning in a real-life murder. That's right. Okay, we're going to get there. But first, let me tell you a little bit about the story. If you haven't, if you're not part, one of those 15 million people that read the book, Where the Crawdads Sing is a novel, a coming-of-age story about a six-year-old girl who, through a series of unfortunate events, is forced to live alone in her family's house in the middle of a marsh. She trades uh, smoked fish, fresh mussels that she catches. She uh, trades those for money in order to survive. Eventually, there's a vengeful murder in the marsh for which she is blamed and a trial happens. She's put on trial, but she's found, spoiler alert, uh, feel forward to f uh, feel free to f uh, fast forward if you want. There's a trial, but she's found not, not guilty. And she lives out the remainder of her life as an author of some renown. It's only after her death that we discover that she probably did, in fact, commit that murder so long ago. Now, where the Crawdads Sing uh, is kind of a target for a lot of conspiracy theories in the literati world. And when I say literati, if you're a writer, you come to understand that the majority of publishing and reviews and the people that push books and everything to do about that world happens around essentially one city block in Manhattan around Union Square. Now, the literati didn't expect Where the Crawdads Sing to be any sort of success. They only printed about, I think it was, what, like 28,000 copies at first. Rem remember, this sold 15 million. Nobody can really understand how it did so well. It was not expected to do that that much. Um, everybody's a little weirded out, and all these elitists in New York are kind of peeved about it. They're like, what the, what's up with this book? And there's a lot of theories about what, what exactly happened to catapult this story. Now, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that both Oprah and Reese Witherspoon picked it for their book clubs. They've got a lot of followers that would pick it up, and, they're, and they'd have their own little book clubs and on and on and on. Other theories were that uh, it was just perfectly timed. It's a story about isolation that came out during a pandemic early in 2020. And it's a it has some lovely references to nature around this marsh. So maybe it was a perfect storm. So again, we're talking about it on true crime this week. So what's the what's the deal here? Well, like I said, we're going to get to a murder here. Now, you should know that where the Crawdads Sing was written by one Delia Owens. And she's uh, wrapped up in a pretty big unsolved crime. And in fact, that crime mirrors 
parts of this novel. So according to many reports, including the Times, there's a journalist named Jeffrey Goldberg who wrote about this whole thing for The New Yorker. I've got links at the in the liner notes if you're interested. Delia Owens is a retired wildlife biologist. But back in the 1990s, she was doing conservation work in Zambia. Zambia is this country in uh, southern central Africa. She and her husband were tracking poachers, specifically elephant poachers who were after ivory. In 1995... Delia and her husband, Mark Owens, organized an anti-poaching patrol. ABC News had a crew there to film the whole thing. Meredith Vieira was involved in that, by the way. Goldberg, this journalist, when he wrote about it, he, he called this documentary a snuff film for what happened next. Because the documentary, you see, it shows the murder of an alleged poacher who was executed while lying on the ground. And the person who fired the shot is never identified. Now, after this documentary aired, Zambian police, of course, began investigating the murder. That's when the Owens family fled Zambia, came back to the States eventually. Mark Owens, Delia's husband, admitted to leading airborne raids against these poachers. Their son, Christopher, sometimes would beat game scouts for punishment, according to Goldberg. Mark Owens allegedly bragged about killing poachers on his watch. Not him personally, but the people that were part of this patrol. Goldberg uh, also had written that a source told him that Mark and Delia's son, Christopher, was actually the one who fired that fatal shot that killed the poacher. And then Mark Owens helped place the body in a cargo net and, a, and used a helicopter to dump it into a lagoon where it was eaten by wildlife. The author, Delia, says she doesn't know anything about it and that Chris wasn't there. Of course, there's no statutation of uh, statute of limitation that is on murder in Zambia, and Delia um, should be questioned. The the police over there say, and they want her for questioning. So, as the popularity of this book continues, her name comes out there, and Zambian police are like, "Hey, you know, by the way, we'd like to talk to you about that murder." that happened back in 1995, if you have the time. So interesting, interesting story there. Our second top story of the week comes from Greater Manchester, England, from across the pond, where a man named Graham Mansfield has been given a suspended sentence for slitting his wife's throat in their backyard. Record screech, er, hold up, what now? Okay, let me let me rewind. Here's here's the story. You should know that Graham is 73 years old, first of all, and his wife Diane was dying of cancer. She was expected to live maybe a couple more weeks at the time of her murder. This according to the Guardian. 
Graham and Diane had been married for 40 years. And at the time of her murder, Diane was in immense pain. There was no easy route in England for assisted suicide. So they came up with this plot, murder-suicide. Graham slit her throat, copying a method he'd watched in a war film. Then he tried to do the same to himself, but awoke an hour later. He tried to overdose then. That didn't work either. So he called the police and confessed. And in court this week, he actually thanked the police. He said they were so kind and helpful through the whole ordeal. Diane's brother was there. He asked for mercy, saying he still considered Graham a friend. So Graham essentially got away with this this murder. He's got a suspended sentence for a couple of years. As long as he stays out of trouble, he's he's fine. And what kind of trouble can a 73-year-old man get up to? So interesting case. I wonder what you think about that. If you have any specific thoughts, shoot me an email or something. Uh you know, I, I covered a case, I think, what, like a month ago, where a woman went on a an assisted suicide vacation with her sister uh, somewhere in the um, Eastern European countries, I believe, uh, where, where that sort of thing is legal. But should that be legal everywhere? I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with that. Interesting murder case though, right? Hey, uh I the the final story this this week, at least for the the top stories, we're going to get to cold case updates and genetic genealogy in the second half. You got to stick around. There's some bizarro stories as always. But the uh the last top story um it's one of the, it's it's a cautionary tale. You should. It's it's a reminder that unchecked anger can lead to terrible, terrible consequences. I'm talking about the Lauren Pazienza case. She's back in court this week. Uh, if you don't re- recall this case, let me give you a refresher. One hundred days before her wedding. Uh, event planner Lauren Pazienza was walking around Chelsea, that's a part of Manhattan, that used to be bad but isn't anymore. She was visiting art galleries with her fiancé. She had several glasses of wine, and then they went to a park to eat a light dinner. Park employee came over and said, hey, you got to leave. We're closing up. Pazienza wasn't having it, having it. She started shouting and cursing at the park employee. She threw food. Eventually, she walked away. She went one way. Her fiancé went the other. Pazienza was walking down a sidewalk when she encountered 87-year-old Barbara Gustern. This older woman was getting into a, about to get into a cab. Pazienza called her a bitch and then shoved her hard. The old lady fell and hit her head and then died from that trauma a few days later. Now, Pazienza 
kind of slunked away and watched from afar as Gustern was put into an ambulance. Now, the one thing you got to know about Manhattan these days is it costs around a million dollars to live there anymore, a million a year. So if you're living in Manhattan, you're, you're somebody. Barbara Gustern was definitely somebody. In fact, she was a vocal coach to many stars, including Debbie Harry. So when she died, it became a really big deal. She affected many people's lives for the better. Pazienza, meanwhile, fled to her parents' house on Long Island, deleted all of her social media until the police caught up with her. Um, well, eventually she turned herself in, 11 days later. She was released on a half-a-million-dollar bond, bail, but uh, that was rescinded because she was seen as a flight risk because she had been hiding out when the police were initially looking for her. So anyways, she appeared in court this week where she officially rejected a plea deal. The prosecution was offering 15 years. Now, she's currently charged with manslaughter, which carries a possible 25 years in prison. Until then, she's hanging out at Rikers Island, which you might have seen in... Uh, HBO's The Night Of, not a, not a good place to hang out. But she rejected this plea deal for 15 years. Uh, the prosecution is saying, how, how can you put this woman away for 15 years when it was just a random act of anger? It is a tricky case, right? Where do you fall on that? She certainly didn't intend to kill Gustern. And anger, rage specifically, is, by definition, temporary insanity. What kind of control do you have over yourself when you're in that rage? Now, eventually, adults learn to understand when they're getting to that point and find a way to de-escalate that without pushing old people down. But... uh do you put a woman away for 25 years for this act of rage? Yeah, just some, some things, some food for thought this week. A couple of tough stories, but interesting ones. So that's, that's what I do. I give you stuff to think about. Hey, we're going to be right back. you got to stick around to hear these cold case updates. Uh, the trial of Kristen Smart has started. I've got some awesome genetic genealogy uh, news. So stick with me. I'll be back in two and two. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome back to Hill Street Blues, starring Michael Warren. Hey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention this again. Because earlier this week, Julie, my wife, lovely wife, uh, made some chicken soft tacos. And I was like, what do I put on the chicken soft tacos? And then I remembered I had Silk City hot sauce in my refrigerator. The best hot sauce in the land. I believe. Why? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, Silk City hot sauce is made in small batches in Vermont with locally grown peppers. They have several flavors to choose from. If you like your mild sauces, they've got Aztec Attack and Maple Chipotle. They've got medium blends like Badass Jew and Mango Madness. Then there's some that are just plain hot. I'll put the hair on your chest, like climate change and ghost whisper. And uh, they got this new Bloody Mary mixer that's super potent, good for hangovers. It features tomato, horseradish, habanero, and pickles. And they've got a new sauce called Fired Up that features farm-fresh carrots and apples and mangoes. And every flavor has awesome original comic book artwork, artwork, and you can clean out the bottle, put it on your shelf, use it for a uh, conversation piece when people come over to visit, or you know what, just yeah, just for yourself. Because why do you need people to visit? Um, I don't think we do that anymore, do we? Uh, anyways. <laughs> Uh, you got to check out this hot sauce. Uh, go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code CRIME, C-R-I-M-E, to receive 15% off your order. Tell me what you think about it. Somebody wrote me an email this morning actually telling me how much they like the hot sauce. So check it out. Uh, some cold case updates here for you. The Kristen Smart trial began this week. It's one of those rare nobody homicide prosecutions that make up like a fraction 
of 1% of all cases that are tried in the United States each year. These are very, very rare. In fact, it was the subject of the very last uh, episode of The Philosophy of Crime that I did this year. So if you're interested in that, jump over to my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime, to hear about nobody homicides. But it's, they're really hard cases to try. Uh, Kristen Smart, if you don't remember, was a freshman at the California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo back in the 90s when she disappeared. She'd gone to a friend's birthday party, and at around 2 a.m. she was found passed out on the neighbor's lawn. A couple students helped her get to her, were helping get her to her dorm. When another student, a young man named Paul Flores, appeared and said, Hey, I, I'll help her the rest of the way. He was the last one seen with her as he was leading her away. Now, the prosecutors and the detectives long have long believed that Flores raped and killed Kristen Smart and then disposed of her body with the help of his father, Reuben. Paul and Reuben were arrested in 2021. This week, they were in court. Deputy District Attorney Christopher Puvrel alleged that Reuben tore down missing posters of Kristen Smart and called her, quote, a dirty slut while her corpse was decomposing under his deck. Now, the defense say that that's impossible. There's only like two feet of space under that deck, and there were dogs that liked to hang out under there, owned by the Flores. Then it was impossible to hide a body there and then remove it later, because they never did find that body. Prosecutors uh, attest that cadaver dogs hit on that spot, alerting to decomposing material. Cadaver dogs, though, if you look into them, are highly fallible. So what to make of this case? I, if I was on a jury, honestly, I don't know that I could convict either one of them unless we see more evidence here. So uh, check that out. Another cold case update this week in the Maura Murray case, and this is probably the last time I'll mention the Maura Murray case because uh, it's just, it's just, it's a no-win situation and just too much darkness. But I have to mention what happened this week, and that's uh, Bill Roush, who was Maura Murray's boyfriend at the time of her disappearance. He pleaded guilty in a D.C. Superior Court to assaulting a woman, a co-worker in 2011. Uh, this He was uh, originally indicted for this like three years ago, I think it's been, and it was delayed and delayed and delayed because of COVID. It was a felony case. He was charged with felony sex abuse, and the prosecutor offered him a deal to plead down to a misdemeanor. So that's what he pled to. He pleaded to a Misdemeanor charge of simple assault. His sentencing is scheduled for September. So, um, you know, that's it's kind of the tip of the iceberg if you want to go down the Bill Roush route. The number of women that have come forward over the years alleging everything from attempted rape to sexual harassment. A couple of women claimed that he would have them role play as Maura Murray and he would choke them. So... Make of that what you will.
Let's go to genetic genealogy for some good news, huh? Gotta love genetic genealogy. Oh my God. You know, before that, before this tool, the hardest cases to figure out are those ones where perpetrators committed one murder for whatever reason, never got in trouble again, had no connection to the victim. These are random acts of violence. And they figured, well, as long as they keep out of trouble, as long as nobody takes their DNA, they're probably in the clear. Well, thank goodness for genetic genealogy. This week, we're going back to, uh, you're going to hear her name a lot, Cece Moore. Probably the most famous genetic genealogist. Works for Parabon Nanolabs. This is concerning a case from December 5th, 1975. A case older than me. Out of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, one 19-year-old Lindy Sue Beekler, she was a newlywed. She was found stabbed to death in her apartment. Police had no leads for decades. Uh, Cece got the case. They did have some DNA from Beekler's uh, clothes, though. Cece got that info and tracked DNA to ancestors... They fig- she figured out that the killer had ancestors from a small Italian town called Gasparina in Italy. It just so happened that a man who lived in the apartments nearby, a guy named David Sinopoli, he actually had ancestors from Gasparina, Italy. Small world. Well, they had to confirm this. Now... The genetic genealogist can only point police in a direction. They can say, well, we think it's probably this guy. But then the police have to go and and confirm it. So they followed, what they did was they followed David around for a while. Last February, David, now 68 years old, was at an airport in Philadelphia waiting for a flight with his wife. And he got a cup of coffee. Before the flight, he ditched the coffee in a trash can. When he wasn't looking, the police snatched it up, tested the coffee cup for DNA. Sure enough, it was a match to that DNA from Beekler's clothes way back in 1975. They arrested David Sinopoli Sunday morning. The only uh, other charge he had on his record was from 2004 when he was caught peeping at a woman in a tanning salon. This just in from DNA Dope Project. I literally got this email like an hour ago. News out of Gladewater, Texas. Quote, 20 years after her partially, her partial skeleton remains were located by construction workers off Highway 135 in Gregg County, Texas. The Gregg County Sheriff's Office and the DNA Dope Project have determined that her name was Pamela Darlene Young. Pamela Pamela Young of Arlington, Texas, died approximately two years before her partial skeleton was found, and the Tarrant County Medical Examiner determined she had had an unrepaired cleft palate. They figured, oh, definitely we'll figure out who she was now. That's a very rare condition. But despite that, investigators ran out of leads, and the case went cold. Flash forward to early 2020, Lieutenant Eddie Hope reached out to the DNA Doe Project, said, hey, can you help? A DNA profile was developed from a molar 
and uploaded to GEDmatch Pro, which compared DNA, do pro uh, DNA profiles. The genealogy in this case was extremely complex, they say, and it took almost two years for the experienced volunteers to narrow down the family tree to identify Pamela Young. A DNA sample from her daughter confirmed the identification. After the review was conducted, team members working on Gregg County Jane Doe were able to use mitochondrial DNA to significantly narrow their focus and ultimately identify this young woman. There was a lot, this is a quote by Kevin Lord, a team member. He says, quote, there was a lot of endogamy in the family, which made the case much more difficult. Here's something to know if you're interested in genetic genealogy. What in the world do they mean when they say endogamy? Well, that's the scientific term for inbreeding, people. Final quote, communications with a few distant DNA relatives gave us crucial information we could not have learned from a paper trail. We're grateful for their assistance, added Megan Pazika, team co-leader. So congratulations to them, but the question remains, how did this woman die? It's not in any of these reports. Was it a murder? Are we trying to find out? There's more mystery here. Genetic genealogy is only the first step to many of these cases. Let's jump over to some weird news. I got a weird one for you. U.S. Marshals are offering a reward this week for the recapture of 19-year-old James Howard Jackson, who was accidentally released from jail in April due to a clerical error. The story coming to you from Oxygen.com. Who's James Jackson, you ask? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Jackson was arrested for attempted murder and robbery in February 2021. Who'd he try to murder? <laughs> well, uh, Ryan Fisher, that's who, who was shot in the chest. Jackson was after the three French bulldogs that Fisher was walking. Those bulldogs belonged to, uh, wait for it, Lady Gaga. Yes, that Lady Gaga. Fisher survived, by the way, survived with a collapsed lung. National News um, talked about this, this case for a while, and, and they were looking for these bulldogs. They're like, you know, who, who tried to shoot this guy? Who took the bulldogs? Where are they? What's going on? And unfortunately, because Lady Gaga, her name, you know, and, and how big she is, Ryan Fisher's attempted murder kind of got lost in that whole thing, and everybody rejoiced when the dogs were found. Um, it was an actual, actually an acquaintance of Jackson who turned the dogs in, saying she'd found them tied to a pole. She was eventually arrested as an accessory to the crime. Police consider James Jackson armed and dangerous. So if you see him, call it in. Don't be a hero. Don't try to arrest him yourself. <sighs> Unless you have a good poker face. Uh, so... <laughs> Moving into pop culture, there are a couple new big true crime documentaries that you should be aware of. First up is Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons. Victoria's Secret, of course, is that uh, lingerie store that you'll find in the malls. And you have to avert your eyes if you're a middle-aged man not trying to look like a creep. Uh, Victoria's Secret's actually owned by a billionaire from Ohio guy named uh, 
Leslie Wexner, that's for short. He's still the richest man in Ohio, by the way. Uh, Victoria's Secret. What is her secret? I've always wondered. Anyways, why is Les Wexner part of a true crime documentary? Well, he was very good friends with a guy named Jeffrey Epstein. In fact, Jeffrey Epstein was his personal money manager. In fact, it's where Jeffrey Epstein got the majority of his money that he used to buy Lolita Island and Lolita Express and it funded everything he did that was crazy and bizarre and illegal. So the question has always been, why did Wexner give him all these millions of dollars? And the documentary kind of suggests some possibilities. Epstein was actually named Wexner's power of attorney in 1991. Kind of a big deal for a billionaire. Epstein could sign checks, buy and sell property. It's according to an article in Time. He is the source of Epstein's wealth. So give that a give that some time. Also, you should check out My Daughter's Killer, a new documentary on Netflix. My Daughter's Killer is a poignant true crime documentary about the sudden death of a young girl whose father refused to accept that his daughter died under normal circumstances. Uh, the, now, what you need to know about this going in is it's a French documentary with subtitles. But don't let that scare you. Nobody does true crime like the French. They know it's an art form. And they they spend the time with it that... that that you need to dive into these crazy mysteries. And there's always more twists than you expect. Uh, I don't know what it is about the French. Just a, um, oh, a certain je ne sais quoi. Uh, <laughs> anyways, check it out. My Daughter's Killer. Let's check the charts. The top true crime podcasts according to Chartable.com. Again, you've got uh, Crime Junkie and Morbid fighting it out for number one. You've got uh, pretty much the usual suspects in the top ten. I want to go back down to the 30s. That's where it starts getting interesting, where you start seeing some independent podcasts, not from Parcast or Wondery. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but let's give them some due. If you haven't listened to them yet, you might like Southern Fried True Crime. Here's their write-up. Erica Kelly is a native Tennessean exploring historical and contemporary true crime in the South. Southern charm is attempted, but Southern sass is bountiful. Oh my. Join her as she shows you just how Southern fried the justice system can be in the Deep South. Also check out Killer Psyche, which is climbing the charts. When a shocking crime occurs, people ask why. Was it about power, ego, or re revenge? On Killer Psyche, retired FBI agent Candace DeLong draws on her decades of experience to reveal why these murderers and criminals committed these acts. She will reveal fascinating new details about what drove these people, including cases she was close to. Candace will share specific psychological methods and profiling techniques that experts use to understand the deepest part of the most complex, fascinating, and twisted minds. From the Unabomber to Dr. Death, to Al Chapo. 
El Chapo, I think. Of course. Anyways, if you're into those podcasts, check them out. And that's the uh, that's the news for this week. And uh, I'm heading on vacation. So next week, I'm going to... There's still going to be a show. Don't freak out. There's still going to be a show, but it's going to be a special presentation. So tune in for that. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you back in two weeks. And we're going to go... It's going to be big. In two weeks, we're switching. You're still going to get this podcast, just like regular, but you're also going to get video. I'll have a YouTube channel starting for True Crime this week. You can see my mug on there if you want, or if it scares you, you can continue listening to this podcast as if nothing has changed. But the good news is I'm getting out of the closet, (laughs) out of my wife's closet, and into a little studio. So uh, big changes are afoot, which is reason to celebrate. And Fridays are always reason to celebrate. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul... We gotta, 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 get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a Fearful Symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like the cut of my jib, Please check out my other podcast, Philosophy of Crime. Unless quoted directly from a source, all content should be considered the opinion of the host. That's me, James Renner. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.